Hello, thanks so much for tuning in to our podcast. I'm Michael Grant, Senior Pastor of Faith Worship Center International right here in Columbus, Georgia. Today, I'd like to share a word straight from God that's just for you. I hope you're prepared. Grab your pen, paper, your tablet. Most importantly, grab your Bible, your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And let's prepare to take notes on what God has to share with you on today. I'm excited for you because you're about to grow to a greater place of faith in God. Let's tune into the word. We want to be revival. We want to be revival. You know, revival is not merely uh, an old, you know, a stirring of, of humanity. More specifically, revival takes place within the church. Because to be revived means that you were strong, you were vibrant, and perhaps your fervor began to wane. Anybody be honest and say, boy, 2021 tried to take the breath out of me. 2020, 2021 tried to take and steal my fervor. Some of us were just kind of going through the motions, waiting to see what was going to when the dust was going to settle or when the smoke was going to clear. And what that causes to take place in our lives as believers, as God's chosen vessels, is that we begin to unknowingly get weaker in the things that we've been called and assigned to fulfill. It gets more difficult to get a prayer through. It gets more difficult to, get in, to, 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 to see breakthrough take place. It's not because you're not saved. It's not because you're not called. It's just because you've exhausted your efforts and your means in a season and you need God to revive you. Somebody be honest, look up to heaven and say, God, I need you to revive me, revive me, revive me. His church is not only in need of, but is in position for revival. But it's going to take a different mentality and a different mindset. God told me this year that we're going to need to rebuild according to the kingdom. The warfare that we endured and the shaking that took place in the year 2020 that spilled over into 2021, it really caused a lot of damage within the church world as we know it. If we look back to 2020 in the early months, some of the first individuals who were uh, taken out by this horrid virus, COVID-19, were leaders in the church. There were some pillars in the church that began to fall back to back, especially within uh, predominantly a minority church sector. We begin to see people fall by the wayside uh, because of this illness, and it caused damage because there were there was not in every situation a successor in place to take and move forward and continue to advance. And so what we begin to see is the church backtracking. Maybe not this church, thanks be unto God, but this church is not the only church. There is a global church that suffered great loss and great damage over the last 
16 to 19 months. And, and, and I believe it's important for us as believers to understand the timing of God and to ensure that we assist, somebody say assist, that we assist with moving forward to where God desires his global church to be. We are Faith Worship Center International, so we are a piece of, a part of, we are a member of God's global church. So when, when the church hurts, we ought to hurt. Woe be unto those who say, huh, they suffering, but I'm fine. Because Jesus said that we ought to mourn with those who mourn. We ought to rejoice with those who rejoice. That's a part of the compassion and love of God that causes us to be able to feel humanity and yet allow it to experience divinity. Somebody say it's time to rebuild. Somebody say that like you mean it. It's time to rebuild. And so it's important that we understand what rebuilding is all about. I want to kind of bring it, bring it in prophetically uh, and let you realize the, the sense of closeness that it is to our personal church. In 2021, uh, there was a sense of damage that took place on our property. Many of you who were walking through the, the breezeway, you saw that it seemed like it was raining as hard outside, as hard as it was raining outside the breezeway. It started raining in the breezeway when you were dropping your children off, even to the point that it caused one of the beams to break. Y'all remember that? And so we had to bring in specialists to repair or to rebuild that broken place. Also, there was this wall. I prepared an image for you for you to follow along with me. Uh, but there was a wall as you were coming in to the parking lot area. If you look to your left as you're coming in, some of y'all drive so fast when you come through that entranceway, you don't see nothing. <laughs> so I didn't even know we had a wall over there. That's right. <laughs> you're heavy footed. But for on those moments when you get to slow down, take a peek when you're coming through, and uh, you'll see that there's a wall to the left where vehicles park, and that wall was damaged. That wall actually, it, it, a portion of it completely fell. And when we talked with the contractor who, who serviced that wall, they said, uh, because of the storms and the amount of rain that we endured during the time for you hear me by the Spirit, yeah, look at your neighbor and say, he that hath an ear. Let him hear. Yeah, yeah, because of the amount of rain and the storms that, that went back to back over that area, the, and because the wall, when it was built, it was not knowledgeable to put weep holes in a wall. Boy, for those of you who understand the process of grieving, you'll understand what I mean by that. Because you didn't know the importance of letting out all of the things that get built up in you emotionally, you get to a place where you break and you break down and you're trying to figure out, man, how did I get to this point? Uh, you forgot to weep. You forgot to release those things. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to cry. It's okay to mourn. There was a season to mourn. There's a time to cry. And yet there's a time for rejoicing. And I believe for the believers of God, for those who are people of faith, we have gone through our season of weeping. We've gone through our season of mourning. And now it is time for us to rejoice. But the wall did not know how to reap or to release. And so when the storm got heavy, it broke. And so the, the image that you see there is an image of what the wall looked like when the storm got heavy and when the rain began to weigh upon it. 
the roots of the trees. It, it got so, so uh, uh, potentially damaging or hazardous to our building that those trees you see, the contractor was nervous that it was going to fall down on the building because there was nothing supporting the roots. Boy, that's a whole nother message, right? And so what they did, uh, what they did was they rebuilt the wall. And you'll see another image here that they, they, when, you, when you drive by, you'll see that the wall looks brand new. But what you don't see is that behind the wall that is present, the old wall is still there. That's not my message for today. <laughs> but can I encourage two and a half people, <laughs> two and a half people and tell you, oh man, just because times got hard and things began to break down, you don't have to get rid of the old things. You can take what remains and you can build upon it. Some of you went through hardships. Some of you went through trials last season, and you felt like just throwing in the towel. You felt like just giving up. You felt like quitting and moving to something totally different. But I hear the Lord saying unto you today, don't you quit. Don't you throw in the towel. You've invested too much time in it. And even though it broke down, there's something on the inside of you that has the strength, the power, and the, the ability to rebuild. Woo, woo. I hear that for you, Pam. I hear that for you. I hear that for you, that what you have gone through, that what you have gone through, watch, watch, just because it's a different area does not mean that you're still not anointed. Watch this. It, it don't matter what you coach. you coach. You coach softball. You coach kickball. You coach whatever kind of ball they put you to oversee. There's an anointing on your life to influence young women and to call them to come out of the pits that they've been raised in, to change their identity, and to cause them to be who God has purposed them to be. So don't you be weary in your well-doing. You're going to reap. You're going to be compensated. You have not been forgotten. God knows your name. And though you may be rejected of men, heaven hears and knows, and you shall be promoted to the place that God has prepared for you. Somebody ought to rejoice on the behalf of your sister. Don't you dare throw out all that God has done. Don't you quit on what God has invested. Don't you give up on what God has done for you. You may have to change your venue. You may have to change your arena, but you're still the same anointed, called, appointed vessel of honor. And God is going to get glory. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just got to rebuild is all. You just got to rebuild. Use the same plans. Use the same strategy. You don't have to come up with nothing new because who God has called you to be, if it worked in the last season, it'll work in this season. You just take it and apply it to this and watch God's hand go to work on it. Somebody celebrate the Lord in here. Man, I felt that. Somebody said it's time to rebuild this all. Hallelujah. And listen, I hear this for others in this room. There are others who went through hardship in 2021, and it was, it was some suffering that you endured, and you were wondering why there was no divine intervention. I hear the Lord say to you today, the reason that God's hand didn't get at work is because he wanted you to see that he gave you power, that he gave you the ability, that he gave you the strength to overcome what you were facing. You were mad at God. Some of you were frustrated and started to quit on God, but thank God you didn't quit. Here's what I heard him say. Look at you. You made it through. Look at you. You made it through it. Look at yourself. Be an encouragement to yourself. You thought you weren't doing it, but you made it through it. 
Some of you had to endure surgeries. You thought you would have never had to go through a surgery, but you had to go under the knife and you said, God, why didn't you heal me divinely? He said, because I wanted you to see that there's still power on the inside of you that you can rebuild. You can overcome. You just got to rebuild is all. You just got to rebuild is all. Just got to rebuild. Look at somebody say, you just got to rebuild. Nehemiah understood this. Nehemiah understood this after having been held in bondage his whole natural born life. And, and yet he, his heart was for his city, the city of Jerusalem, because the walls were dilapidated for over 70 years. Somebody say 70 years. Some of us ain't dealt with nothing but for seven months. Imagine having to deal with something for 70, your whole life, your hometown has no protection. And the walls of, of Israel were dilapidated. The Bible says that they were in ruins. But we are those who God has anointed. I hear the prophet Isaiah speaking concerning the Jesus, the Christ, and echoing those same words to us in Isaiah 61 and 4, that we were anointed to build the old waste places and to rebuild those ruins. Somebody say, I'm anointed. Nehemiah understood this, and so we got to be able to understand how to have a Nehemiah anointing in this season of rebuilding. This year, God told us that we're going to talk about kingdom rebuild, but today I want to focus just momentarily on the concept of rebuilding, the concept of rebuilding, and the, the, the context that we'll pull from is the life and the experience of Nehemiah. I said uh, when, ba when Babylon came in and took Israel or Ju Jerusalem captive, they burned the city down, and they tore down the walls and the walls were left in ruins as Jeremiah had prophesied the walls were left in ruin the city and the temple the house of God was left in ruin for over 70 years and now Nehemiah is is serving the king and he has a stirring in his heart to go and ensure that the wall is rebuilt so looking at the life of Nehemiah without having full time to deal with the behind the scenes and the the dynamics the full dynamics of what took place leading up to it I just want to give you three prophetic observations to encourage you so that you in this season of rebuilding can be able to pull from the wisdom of Nehemiah. The first, the first prophetic observation that I see in the life of Nehemiah that references this present day and age is this is the season of the servant. Somebody say that. This is the season of the servant. If you're watching along live, that will be a great, a great message to post in the thread. This is the season of the servant. That's the per first prophetic utterance I see. And we find this in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 1, around verse number 11, where the word of the Lord says, O Lord, Nehemiah is talking, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to my prayer, to the prayer of thy what? Of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy what? Servants, Y'all not there with me yet? Nehemiah 1 and 11. The Bible says, O Lord, Nehemiah calls out to the Lord, I beseech thee, I pray to thee, and let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name, to prosper. I pray thee, thy this day that you grant him mercy in the sight of man. And he says, I prayed this prayer because I was the king's cupbearer. If you know anything about a cupbearer, a cupbearer is a royal servant, which means he's, of, he's serving royalty. He's serving those who are people of high esteem. But watch this. God doesn't send the king to prepare the walls. He sends the servant. What does that mean for you? God is going to use insignificant people to do significant things in this season. What am I trying to tell you? People may not know your name. People may 
may not identify you as great. People may not esteem you as high as other people in your world. And listen, you don't have to worry about being called insignificant because though people don't know your name, heaven knows your name. So though men may say, yeah, I, I felt that when I said insignificant. You said I am significant. Yeah, but people don't treat you like you're significant all the time. All the time. So what God wants to do is cause those areas or those arenas that treat you without giving you your value to see that you're going to do significant things. I see doors opening for people who are in low-level positions. I see opportunities opening up for people who have been stuck in positions for a series of time and you've been waiting for your opportunity. God says, this is your season. Keep serving. Keep laboring. Because what God is going to do, he's going to give you, he's going to find, allow you to find favor with people of influence and he's going to open opportunities for you to lead in areas that you've not led before. Nehemiah, a servant, went and was assigned to be the governor of all of Jerusalem. Where they do that at? Where a janitor ends up being the CEO. I was watching this funny show. Y'all not hearing me by the spirit today, so I'll help you laugh a little bit. I was watching this show called The Office. It was the last season, I believe it was, and uh, one of the guys that had gotten fired connected with the new CEO of the company uh, out in the street in passing one day, and he told him, he ran some ideas by him. He said, man, I tell you what, I like your ideas. I'm going to make you the manager of the branch that you got fired from. So he went in as the, he went in dressed as the janitor begging for a job, and the lady hired him, who was the present manager, she went ahead and hired him and he was acting like he was the manager or excuse me acting like he was the janitor but when the CEO came in somebody say when the CEO came in when the CEO came in the person who was the janitor was promoted immediately and the one who was the manager was demoted immediately I sense by the presence of God and the spirit of God that people who have been ruling over you you're going to find yourself being their bosses why? because you've served as unto the Lord this is why the Bible tells us that in everything we do we do it heartily passionately this is Colossians as unto God that's why we don't cut corners when our boss isn't around. That's why we don't not do our best when people aren't observing us. Why? Because we're not serving man. We are serving as unto God. The king knew that Nehemiah was a worthy servant to be the governor because of how he served him. Somebody say, be careful how you serve in this season. Because your promotion is at stake. God Almighty. Y'all better hear me by the Spirit. Be careful how you serve in this season because your promotion might be at stake. Somebody says it's the season of the servant. Uh, Y'all didn't say that like you like it. Lord have mercy. Uh, I didn't say the season of the slave. Come on, get your mind out the gutter. I said it's the season of the servant. Jesus said, whoever's going to be the greatest in my kingdom will be those who serve. Uh, Jesse Duplantis said it this way when he had his God encounter. He said when he encountered the apostles, he said, oh, no, no, don't bow down and worship me. We're all servants here. Now, you got to watch out for church folk that want to have their name in lights. You got to watch out for people that always want to be uh, referenced, always, always want to be identified. You don't have to say my name. You have to know my name because heaven knows my name. As a matter of fact, my name is forever written in the Lamb's book of life. And one day my name is going to be called. One day my name is going to be called by the one who is the most important of all. Earlier today, we called him the man. Somebody say the man is going to call my name. So it's the season of the servant. Second thing that we find from the testimony of Nehemiah is that we must be willing to work. Uh, we must be willing to work. Now, I know that sounds contradictory in a season where everywhere you go, there are signs posted saying, now hiring. Uh, the reason for that is, is because people, elder, they're not in the mindset of working anymore. People are in the mindset of leading leisure lives. People are in the mindset, watch me, stay with me, of, of their money making money without even making money first. 
<laughs> no, no, no. You can't make residual money without first working and making some money. Uh, and so somebody pray for this generation that's on the rise because they want things easy. They want things to be handed to them. They want to be able to just get it without doing anything. But the Bible says if a man don't work, he don't need. That principle will not change. We must be willing to work in this season, especially in a time where God is calling us to rebuild. We must have a mindset that I'm willing to invest now so that I can reap dividends later. Somebody say, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to work. We find this in the book of Nehemiah chapter number four, verse number six, specifically where Nehemiah gives credit to why the wall got all the way to the, def- to the, to the place of completion that it had gotten to. Uh, in verse number six of Nehemiah chapter four, the Bible says, so we built the wall. So we built the wall. So we built the wall. So who? We built the wall. We're not doing it by ourselves. This is not a season of I. This is a season of we. This is not a time of me. This is a season of team. This is a time where God calls on all hands on deck. And when we come together, there is nothing that shall be denied from us. And we built the wall and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. Why? For the people had a what? Not because God moved. The wall wasn't built because the Holy Spirit spoke. The wall was not, spilt, was not built merely because there was an anointing on the people's lives. There are some anointed, lazy people in this season. And if, if, and if you're anointed but lazy, you're going to be anointed and have no, no, nothing to show for your anointing. In this season, we must be willing. Somebody say willing. Willing to work. We must be willing to put our hands to the plow. The reason that the wall got to the halfway point, Nehemiah gives credit to the people because they had a mind to work. Their mindset was, we're going to put our hands to the plow and going to work. Now, that term mind to work, in my expression, means more than just thinking that they need to work. These people weren't just mindful of the fact that they needed to work. They, were, they had a will to win. Yeah, yeah. They refused to be denied. They had all kind of things that were going on, all kind of adversaries. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. They had all types of opposition, but they refused to allow the opposition to cause them or prohibit them from fulfilling the assignment that was on their lives. They believed that they could build that wall. They believed that they could rebuild it. They believed in themselves. They believed in their plan. And they believed in the fact that if they worked hard enough, that things were going to come to pass. Look at somebody and say, change your mindset. Don't go into situations defeated. Don't go into the interview wondering if they're going to hire you. Go into the interview already having the mindset that this is my job. I just came to go through the, through the motions. Isn't that in this season, uh, Alexis? In this season, God will speak and will open up the heart of the person that's hiring and say, you ain't even got to be interviewed. Just take the position. Somebody better grab that in this room today. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Because uh, they hiring. They looking for somebody. And, and since they can't find nobody, don't go in wondering if they're going find you. I'm here. I'm ready to work. Come on, let's uh, pay me now and let's get going with this thing. That's how your mindset got to be. That's how your thought process has to be. I have a will to win. When I show up, I anticipate things changing. Look at somebody say, do you know who you are? Do you know who do you know who's living on the inside of you? As a matter of fact, when you show up, you don't show up by yourself. When you show up, the omniscient, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-powerful God shows up. So when you step into a room, your presence demands attention. So don't you now another day go into an opportunity wondering if if God sent you there, go on in there with your resume in hand, with your confirmation letter, and tell them, thank you so much for allowing me to have this, this preliminary interview. I'm ready to start today.
Got to change our mindset. That was the mindset of Israel. They knew Nehemiah didn't, didn't come all the way from Babylon just to come over there and go through the motions. They knew they had a leader who was ready with a plan and who gave the plan to them. And he, they knew if they rallied together to fulfill that plan, it was going to get accomplished. You got to have a will to work. Last point I'm going to leave with you, with you today is uh, the fact that after having understand that this is a season of the servant and understanding we got to have a will to work, lastly, we're going to have to deal with distractions. Somebody say, you're going to have to deal with distractions. So if you get easily off focus, this is going to be a season where you're going to have to definitely be willing to work because you're going to have distractions. We find this as a testimony in the life of Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 6. Verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, Now it came to pass when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall, that there was no breach therein, even though at the time we had not hung the gates. The Bible says in verse 2 that Samballot and Geshem, they would not give up. They sent unto me saying, Come, let us meet together uh, someone of the villages in the plain of Ono. Somebody say, oh, no. Oh, no. This is what I call a hint, hint, clue, clue. If you're doing the work of the Lord and something comes to distract you and gives you in plain sight that they want to meet you in a place called, oh, no, then your response should immediately be, oh, no, oh, 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 no, oh, 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 no, oh, oh, no, oh, no, 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 we, 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 if we meet, we ain't meeting death. Sisters, if you get a call around 1130, 12 from the brother reaching out, you ain't got to think about whether you should entertain that or not. Your immediate response should be, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no. See how the oh, no got real quiet that time? There was a different oh, no that took place. Yeah, there was a different oh, no. Yeah, there was a different oh, no because... We were we willing to put that work in, but <clears throat> but 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 see, but see, your testimony is at stake. Your anointing is at stake. What God has allowed you to go through is at stake. And we must be more mindful of the things of God. Here's what Nehemiah said. He said, he said, uh, but they taught, they, they thought to do me mischief. So what I did was in verse three, he says, I sent messengers unto them. I ain't even go with them. I ain't even go to meet them. I, I sent somebody else to tell them I'm doing too great a work and I cannot come down. Realize this, believers. Boy, I wish I could preach in here today. Realize this. The work that God has you doing is far too too great for you to stoop to the low level of somebody who's trying to get you to compromise your integrity, for someone who's trying to get you to compromise your reputation, and for somebody who's trying to get you to compromise your goods. Never seen so many uh, DMs, messages, and some folk DMs and messages just full of filth. Let me go into that vein for a couple of seconds here, because you do know what's done in the dark. If you ain't careful, you're going to come out in the light and, and you're going to lose what you've been afforded now. This is a season of exposure, I sense, to, 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 to put this out here for you. I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know who I'm talking to. It might be y'all out there. It might be y'all in here. But whoever it is, you better clean that DM up. Because who you are in private should be directly adjoined with who you are in public. Ooh, look at them saints. Look at them saints with their days to do song. I want you to. It's time to clean it up. 
It's time to clean it up. It's time to clean it up. Don't get mad. It's time to clean it up. It's time to clean it up. Because when we clean it up, it's sanctified. It's pure. And God can use you. Somebody say he can use you when you're pure. Watch. So I sent messages to them and tell them I'm doing too great of a work that I cannot come down. Distractions. We must be willing to deal with distractions. That's how he dealt with it. He put them in their place. He said, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not meeting you. And oh, no, I'm doing too great of a work. Here's the thing, though. Don't be, don't be uh, moved or don't be disheartened by distractions because here's what the Lord told me to tell you, that distractions are an indicator that the miraculous is about to happen. Yeah, man. Distractions are an indicator that the miraculous is about to happen. When those distractions, when those things come and try and displace you, when those things come and try and pull you out of your position, when those things, and can anybody be honest and say, man, my attention seems to be at a great deficit in these days. I'm, I'm very easily pulled off of my course. I'll be about to text somebody and tell them something important and something pops up and it gets my full attention and I don't even remember what I was trying to text somebody and tell them. Something may be on the television and it prompts me to, to you know, to share something with someone, then a commercial come on. I forget everything I was about to say or do because I was distracted. But the distractions should not get you off force. They should be off course. They should be the indicator that something greater is about to happen. Watch this now. Even though Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem began to try and distract Nehemiah and the people, I love what verse 15 says of Nehemiah chapter 6, and here's where we'll hang our hats for today. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse number 15, the Bible says, So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. Somebody say 52 days. In 52 days, this, this watch, these, these misfits of people with an insignificant servant leader accomplished something that had never been accomplished before. History tells us that the wall around Jerusalem was approximately two and a half miles long. Two and a half miles long. Some of us, it'll take 52 days to run two and a half miles. <laughs> I gotta take a break today. I pick it up tomorrow. I pick it up tomorrow. 52 days, two and a half miles. It's said to be two and a half, approximately two and a half miles uh, around the circumference of the, of the city of Jerusalem. Forty feet high. Eight feet thick. This wall that these people who had little to no resources, all they had was a word of God. All they had was a mind to work. All they had was an opportunity to serve. And they, re they joined all of their efforts together as a people who were assigned to rebuild. And they accomplished the miraculous. They pressed past every distraction. They didn't stoop to the level of the things that were coming to get them off course. They chose to focus on what was most important. And the miraculous happened. Listen, many of us are looking and waiting for God to do something to blow our minds. But here's what God is saying to us today. I need you to partner with me in this thing. I need you, I need you to be willing to put in some sweat equity. I need you to be willing to work. And if you'll be willing to labor with me, if you'll maximize your natural, I'll pick up supernaturally and you'll do things that you've never imagined. 
I don't know what your area of dilapidation is. It might be your finances. It might be your health. It might be relationships. I don't know what what area has broken down in your life, but I do know this. In this season, you have what it takes to rebuild. You have what it takes to rebuild. You have what it takes to rebuild. You're not too old. You're not too far gone. You're not too ill. You're not too angry, frustrated. It's still time because of the season and the timing of the Lord. He said, this is our time to rebuild. And just assure when you do, you're going to see God's hand at work when you're willing to work. Wow, what a message. What a word, man. I just love God's word. It's so empowering, so impactful. It causes us to be exactly what God wants us to be. I hope you enjoyed that message. Until next time, I pray that you stay strong in your faith. And in all that God is speaking in your life, you have exactly what you say.